listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Greetings, fellow children of the Tatooine Sons, and welcome back to another installment. I am one of your hosts, Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and joining me for this episode are my co-host, Jonathan Cohn, as well as my friend, friend of the show, and Mandalorian cosplayer, Mr. Sean Fritz. We're diving hey in again. <laughs> welcome. We're diving in again to the newest episode of the Book of Boba Fett. This week's episode, Chapter 2, was entitled No Bass Drum That Small Could Make a Boom That Big. <laughs> you right. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. The episode was called The Tribes of Tatooine and gave us a whale of OG Star Wars vibes. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it today. So let me start by welcoming Sean. I am so glad that you're back on the show. It's been way too long since we've had you. Yeah. Um, but... Um, what has been your overall impression so far of these two episodes of Book of Boba? Overall, uh, I'm going to say kind of what I said before the podcast about it, it having some pretty heavy Dances with Wolves vibes. And on top mm-hmm. of that, uh, what was it? The person, uh, I think they said that Parks and Rec predicted the opening of episode yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in fairness, Everyone predicted that because that's kind of uh, uh, been a thing since the 90s when everyone was wondering what happened to Boba Fett and they had books and comics about it. So, Yeah, thanks, yeah. EU. Could have easily been a uh, robot chicken sketch. Yes. Where they <laughs> probably uh, had it, been. Probably <laughs> at least made it onto the draft table and then got cut mm-hmm. here and there. But, but yeah. So overall, did you enjoy the first episode more or the second so far, Sean? Uh, to be honest, I feel like I enjoyed the first episode just a little bit more where I really like elements of the second one. I feel it's kind of weird for me because I always have this this thing with flashback episodes Mm. where I'm focused more on the main plot going on, like notably with Boba Fett becoming the daimyo. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I wanted to see kind of what I had been thinking going into the show of it being, oh, hey, it's the Godfather on Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'm and really invested into. Yeah. yeah. Kind of based on the trailers and everything. It's like that is what I'm going in expectations wise. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying a flashback episode is bad because I will go into that stuff a little further on into the podcast. But I feel like I'm a little more invested in the overarching story rather than the flashback. But the flashback did have some really good elements to it, for sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the split in the fandom right now. Wouldn't you agree, Jonathan? Oh, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know anyone because I watch so many YouTube videos on this. I don't know anyone who says I much prefer. Let's do more flashbacks. I I don't like this main story at all. No, No one's saying that. I like the flashback story quite a bit more after this episode yes. than I did after just the one, the first episode. <laughs> and oh, yeah. and I'll get into why too as we talk about this. Um, but um, do you, either of you think we're going to see more than maybe one more episode of flashback, or, or are they going to wrap up the flashback stuff within the next within chapter three? 
I think that they will have flashbacks in every episode, but we won't have flashbacks featuring exclusively the Tuscan storyline anymore. I think that they basically wrapped up all they needed to. If they were going to do more mm-hmm. with the Tuscans, they wouldn't have shown him getting his clothing, getting the, the gaffy stick, getting uh, yes. his own place. They, they, I think they would have saved that for the other episode. But it looks like he's a member of the tribe. He's exactly where we met him. You know, where he, not necessarily in the timeline, but in what he's accomplished. So right. all he needs to do now is basically get back his ship and he's and he's golden and he's and he's all set. So I think that instead we're going to get flashbacks to another period of his life or different periods of his life, which I'm hoping will include uh, Clone Wars era where we'll get him versus uh, Cad Bane. Mm. And that'll and that'll match the, the present time with him with someone. There's a big gap in time to fill. Yeah. Years. Surely mm-hmm. that the Tuscan stuff hasn't taken more than a month that he's been with them as a prisoner. I don't know. And has it occurred to you, Sean, that this is probably um, days in the days and weeks that he's with the Tuscans, he is the most out of the loop person in the galaxy that the Emperor has fallen, second Death Star has been destroyed. Like he has no idea any of this stuff. He <laughs> He took the longest and worst nap possible. <laughs> Wakes up. What happened? <laughs> what happened? And then gets an episode basically saying, "You are." Or oh, I'm trying to remember the quote. Basically, how three PO does it in episode six: "The you are now a part of the tribe." Yes, <laughs> yes, we were gonna make that joke actually. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, um, I stole it. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Every, I, probably everybody's going to make that jump. We are now part of the tribe. And Harrison Ford says, you know, just what I always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but Boba, in this episode, smiles so much. Yeah. He smiles when he's with these Tuscans. It really made me happy seeing him happy. Yeah. It was weird to see him happy, because I don't imagine Boba, Boba as happy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, has, has anything they've done with the character, Sean, struck you as a little bit lore breaking or different than you always imagined Boba to be, or do you like the way that they've taken him so far? I really appreciate it. Like in terms of how they've really fleshed him out and made him more, I guess on a level playing ground rather than just this one guy that is said to be able to do all this great stuff. And then he falls into a Sarlacc pit in episode six. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. But then in the show, it's kind of a balance between that where it's like the dude escaped the Sarlacc pit. That's amazing. Next episode gets clapped by a Tuscan. Like I like the balance personally, (laughs) because it shows that he's not an expert at everything. But he adapts so quickly right, to elements because he was pretty on par with her for like after what half the episode. You mean with the yeah, Tuscan that he's fighting? The, the black, the black uh, cloaked Tuscan with the dreads. <laughs> the dreadlocks. The girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dreadlocks. Yeah. The dread dreadlocks Tuscan. She's pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So She's cooler than Kylo Ren is what I people did. are saying. Tusky locks. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a cheap move. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I did uh, w- write down one of my only notes was that that ash- actress is Joanna Bennett, 
And I thought, man, she did. She did a great job, not just with that, like the action aspect of the role, but there were just some subtle comedic moments uh, that her character had throughout the episode that I really enjoyed, particularly in the fight scenes. Yeah, yeah I, just a, I'm sure the the her neck is sore from going yeah. up and down, nodding mm-hmm. slowly so many times, uh, as are all the other Tuscan actors. No, actually, they, um, as we know, that they actually had this kind of sign language expert on set who's you know done that type of stuff with them, yeah. and it's probably the same that really we saw in Mandalorian season one. And mm-hmm. when he starts to communicate with them, and uh, which is really really cool, the way they, they the way they've taken the Tuscans is striking some people though as different from maybe George's vision a little bit. Um, does that bother you at all, Jonathan? That they're getting treated more like you know people and, than savages? No, because uh, as you know, my favorite book ever uh, of Star Wars is Kenobi, and they really change uh, the Tuscans from George's original vision, while still keeping them uh, noble savages. They're still... Mm-hmm. They, he still does a, a bit differently with them. Uh, not really what they do here. This, 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 this is even more different, so I'm already used to that. And... Um, you know, I think that I think that George doesn't mind. I don't think that he's like ah, uh, like mm-hmm. he he's laughing he's like, all the way to the people. bank. You can't mess with the sand. You people. can't That's mess with the sand thing. people. That's one thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, no. You can't uh, mess with the sand people. I, I'll uh, I'll sue and I'll, I'll break you like a twig. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that they canceled Obi Wan by the way for calling him sand people, and he's like, I'd like to apologize for you know to all the indigenous Tuscan peoples. At first, um, I didn't realize you were making a joke there, and you said, I heard they canceled Obi Wan, and I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> what? Well, what? It's a heart attack. Today. And Jonathan's it's like, oh, like no. what? 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 Panic mode? What? <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, I was, I was joking about the modern day canceling, but oh, so. Yeah, I, I appreciate your your humor, you guys. This, this is making it fun to discuss. But um, before we really move on to this episode, Sean, <clears throat> was there anything else in the first episode that struck you that you thought, man, they really nailed that? And just seeing it on screen, seeing Boba do whatever he did, was there a moment that you wanted to kind of highlight as being your favorite of that moment or of that of that episode? Um, you know, that's actually a really good question because there's several elements more as something I've noticed that they're doing throughout the show where I think the first episode was more just a world building episode. Cause mm-hmm. I know a lot of people complained about the pacing of it. It was like, Oh, there's little mm-hmm. to no action. It's like, uh, first of all, we got him escaping the Sarlacc pit. That's <laughs> something we've had questions about for years. <laughs> yeah, Second of all, yeah. And you know, having him in the back to tank, as kind of that segue to flashbacks, mm-hmm. the right. nightmares, in other words. Yeah. Mm. I think that kind of shows some of the side effects, I guess, of him dealing with what he has and whether that has to do with strictly the Sarlacc pit, something deeper, possible clone side effects. That's something mm. I kind of want to know a little more about. So possible clone side effects being this far delayed. I, I don't know that we would have heard of anything happening like that, but I'm interested. That's a great theory. Yeah, because, you know, with Boba, like his condition for his cloning was to be like basically just take off the acceleration and make him a perfect clone. 
mm-hmm. and you know that the clones and Clone Wars, you had mm-hmm. ones that were defective. For example, ninety nine. Mm-hmm. To mm. an extreme degree, for sure. Mm. And some of the others had side effects throughout, more so with the inhibitor chips and stuff like that. But there were some that had genetic side effects. And it makes me kind of wonder if the reason that he's in the Bacta tank so much is possible side effects from <clears> that. <throat> or if something Maybe, happens. But it's also alluded to that the earliest generations are the best, most stable, most capable the soldiers from those earlier generations are and Boba is of that first generation the very first batch he was not of the bad batch uh, and I oh. also I see what you did also there. boo um, uh, also boo <laughs> I, uh, I don't think they're going in that direction <laughs> because they've pretty much established that most of the damage done to him was from the Sarlacc and also from being in Tatooine the sands the whole time um, mm-hmm. so, so I, I'm pretty sure point. that's where they're going with this by the way I don't know if you guys are bothered by this but I'm like okay you're in Tatooine with two sons what kind of clothing are you going to wear black clothing black yeah that's clothing. going to that is going to cool <laughs> you off perfectly that makes total sense I'm like you guys should be wearing white cloaks like, white would absorb the sun but no that's why it's black yes Boba had that, the right <laughs> idea as a prisoner yeah. Man. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to ask Sean is um, we both play video games, don't we? We play video games. You game. Why? You I guys think, play games? I think that. What's a the video whole, game? <laughs> the whole uh, being raised playing video games has made me to just go, oh, of course. Whenever they do a flashback sequence in the back to tank, I'm like, Oh, that's every game ever. That's only the most obvious way to do a flashback sequence. And that, of course, occurred to me, you know, but did it occur to you? And if it did, how do you think that people who are not gamers react to that? So (laughs) funny that you mentioned that about games and all that. It kind of reminds me of two things. One video game, one movie. The game more than the movie. Have any of you played Assassin's Creed? A little bit. No. Okay, so there's a chamber that uh, Desmond goes into. I think it's the Animus, I want to say is what it's called. It's been forever since I actually paid attention to Assassin's Creed other than Stabby Stabby. And I think (laughs) Egypt was the last one I played. Hmm. Uh, So Origins, I think it was. Anyways, so it kind of reminds me of that conceptually. But yeah. I could see where people would make that connection. Do you think the writers are influenced, obviously, by the games they played? Or they're themselves, maybe, I didn't know, but is, that, is it like some of them have some writing credits for video games and like, oh, storytelling device, here's well, what we're going to use. I'll say, Go ahead, I'll, Jonathan. I'll say this, that it did remind me of um, the Half-Blood Prince, where they use the, the, the pensive as the um, uh, way to do the flashbacks or memories. Mm. Um, uh, And then they have a similar coloration thing where the coloration is a bit off throughout the memories to be a clear delineation. Hey, this is a memory. And um, uh, this episode and the other episodes, when he goes into the back to tank and it fades into the, um, uh, the flashback, it's the flashback starts for the first few seconds in that kind of aquatic blue coloring. Um, uh, 
And I think it's very effective. And I'll say, I don't think this is made so much for, for the gamers. I think that this is made for the super casual fans. I will say my mom, for instance, because my dad, my dad's paying attention. He, he, he's following all the timeline <laughs> stuff. But my mom, she just watches it because she's watching it with the family. She enjoys Star mm. Wars, but she's like, not like if we talk about the episode, She's not really engaged in it. But when I talked to her about the first episode, she understood the timeline perfectly. And I was really surprised. I was really surprised. So that's what my point is that I think it's more for them, the people that aren't super into this. Because even without this, if they just had flashbacks and no mechanism, we would understand it. But I don't think the casual fans (laughs) would. They'd be like, wait, what? What? Two timelines? I can just imagine like a meme of like a loading bar underneath whatever the sequence where it's it shows him in the tank, you know, uh, Sean, and it's just loading. (laughs) (laughs) And the bad thing about the past like four minutes of discussion talking about blue, colorful, super casual fan tank loading. (laughs) It makes me think of Avatar. It's true. Wow. It's like all yeah. the pieces were connecting. It is like, this just further reinforces that mentality. This is a straight up Avatar reference. Yep. Capitalism evil. Kill but the alien, plot's actually bad. good. I, the planet alive. I don't <laughs> think that this is going there. Don't deny yeah. it. You can't watch that the movie was, without 3D glasses. It's okay, uh, though. Well, Avatar was beautiful, but wow. Yeah, I didn't always love the messaging, but it was a great movie. Um Let's get you guys ready. Let's go into episode two. So we got the scene of now. I loved that the first episode showed us kind of the shots that we're familiar with, but I'm so excited to see different shots of Java's palace. So it was great yeah. seeing Ming-Na Wen um, walk up with or Finnick with the assassin. And then we get the scene of them kind of like, I, I guess, torturing him or interrogating mm-hmm. at the very least. I want to say um, the shot of the the new shots of the palace was very much something we'd see out of Clone Wars as opposed to the original movies. Like this, the shot of her walking up uh, where it establishes mm-hmm. and then zooms in. That was very, that was like totally something they'd done in Clone Wars, especially the Clone Wars movie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. And, and uh, when it, when we get in there, um, Obviously, this guy is, uh, he uses the Echuta. Yeah. The, um, yeah. How rude. <laughs> Which it, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was the droid on, obviously, um, uh, City in the Clouds, where yeah. he insults 3PO, and that's the first time How we hear rude. that. Yeah. How rude. We don't, we don't know. We just know it's a cuss. It's, it's a, a cuss, uh, someone who was like, they're looking at what it, it means in like books and comics, and they said the closest uh, translation is... Uh, piss off. Ah, well, would, yeah, makes sense. Similar to the uh, the dank ferric that we always get. In, <laughs> in so that means something totally we'll, different. An, an episode of dank ferric will be coming soon. Um, <laughs> anyway, we we get this hilarious uh, riff with him being terrified of the rancor, and uh, of course, it's not there. It's not there. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Did you guys call that moment? Did you like that moment? Were you disappointed that Moochie wasn't back there ready to eat this guy up? Rip Moochie, the OG. (laughs) Well, Moochie was the one from Bad Batch, the Mm -hmm. female that that they befriend. Uh, The original, what was the name of the original Rancor, Jonathan? I have no idea. For 10 points. Yeah. Alex, I'll take 
odd Star Wars facts for $10 billion. <laughs> I don't know the answer. Well, too bad. Okay. So was that a surprise that it wasn't in there at all? Did you all, did you all both call it and say, ah, he's not going to have a new one yet? I, Sean, you go first. Okay. <laughs> it's like Nobody's answering. The talking stick. The talking gaffy. Well, you um, have no screen, so I can't look at you. <laughs> valid. Um, so I had like a miniature heart attack when that scene happened because it's like, oh, no, did they? Please tell me they didn't forget. And then as soon as it was empty, it's like, oh, thank goodness they remembered. <laughs> what? That but, the thing was dead? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, no. Who who directed the scene? Please let it be Roger, uh, Rodriguez. Let him remember, can you, please. Can you imagine what if what if they're like the same rancor still alive? Oh my gosh! This is At that not. Point it's like where is this in the timeline again? This would be uh, this would be the, that would be the equivalent to somehow the rancor returned. The rancor returned. <laughs> hey, let's put the broadcast in Fortnite, guys. Oh my gosh! That's how it survived. There was a rancor Fortnite PDE mission mode. to save it. <laughs> we, we resurrected it. We use Baby Yoda's DNA. It's it's fine. At this uh, point, at this point, the Rancor I, has force powers. At this point, <laughs> I pretty much trust Favreau and Filoni are not the guys that are gonna totally mess up something that big. Oh no! I would no, hope not. Chance. I did actually was interested in this. Star Wars Meg covered it. Rats. The rats yeah. that we saw. Yeah. It was. It. It's canon. So yeah. rats exist in Star Wars, and it's not a mistake that like. Okay, we're like, well, that's not an alien creature. That's a rat. They're you, native to Corellia and Coruscant and Tatooine. And we so see we one go. in uh, Return of the Jedi. I, I don't remember if this is special edition or not, but in one of the exterior scenes, you see this like enormous lizard frog thing, eat like like a uh, slurp up uh, a little rat on the sands of Tatooine, and mm. uh, it's the same type of rat. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know why, but just like the thought of George Lucas digitally putting in a rat came to mind when you said, I don't know why. Every time I think special edition, it's like, what did he this time? Yeah, just straight <laughs> the, up like. With the, with the crazy 90s eyes, the huge <laughs> one that clicked. Oh, you know, that's, I the will Chuck, s- that's the rat that's canon. The mid-2000s Chuck E. Cheese is just like oh thrown gosh. in there. This, it's on the, the 2013 <laughs> Blu-ray. It's okay, guys. Including, <laughs> including a rat-like, <laughs> including a rat-like creature. In Star Wars, um, uh, in, in a desert planet, reminded me of many... There were like three or four different ways that this episode had ties to Dune, which of course, Star Wars in and of itself is a ton of Dune in it. Um, but but the, the new Dune movie has uh, uh, the, the Muad'Dib uh, is the, the rat, uh, and uh, he later takes on that mantle of the Muad'Dib. <coughs> But um, uh, but yeah, that's so you have the rat, you have the dune sea, and then also spice. So lots of dune similarities, mm. and they hey, even shot quick, it the same. Um, I'm gonna ask both of you. So Jonathan first. Um, when he said the mayor hired him, did you believe him or not? I believed him. Okay, Sean, do you believe him or do you think he was at, even then was he lying? I believe he's involved directly hiring. Uh, not quite, but I do believe he was definitely involved, especially after the interaction with the tribute on the first episode. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the Mavers, he's involved somehow, but um, the next scene, 
shed some doubt on that, whether or not the mayor's involved, where he's just smooth talking. So, Jonathan, I, what do you I have to say? I think that the mayor is involved because he shot that guy oh so fast. And it's like, oh, yeah. oh, make sure he doesn't. You're done talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah don't, we don't want him talking <laughs> anymore. And like he, like for every second he's in the scene, there's a chance he could give him away any more. But at least by the mayor killing him right now, all he has is, oh, the mayor sent me. Ah, oh, well, it's a he said he said situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that that, and, that makes it more likely. So that next scene was so great. I love Boba Fett just walking in mm-hmm. like he owns the place because he does and the, <laughs> basically the receptionist is just like who are you and then the twi'lek majordomo who's the actor he's great i i really am liking the character more i don't um, like the prosthetics though he i'm still i'm still not sure about that too but um, he's in there apologizing and trying to negotiate and everything. And Fett could not care less. Walks right in, barges right in, got his dude. Such a Fett moment. So straight to business and calling the mayor out. That whole scene, that and I think a lot of people's eyes, it it got you know it got some of what he's like the Boba Fettness back to him of the no you don't mess around with this guy after mm-hmm. last episode. Um, what was something that you wanted to say about that scene, Jonathan? Oh, I was going to say that, uh, for one, the, the mayor, uh, is play is voiced by, uh, Robert Rodriguez, which I thought was really cool. Oh, yes. nice. I also, there was such incredible yeah. attention to detail in this scene of when the mayor starts talking, you have like a second where you hear it in his language and then the the, mm. the 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 basic kicks in, but then mm. he stops, and then there's like another second or two of the basic finishing it out. And they could have gone really cheesy and just had it all English, or they could have gone at more traditional Star Wars and just had it strictly in whatever language the uh, Thorian is speaking and just done subtitles. But they went, I think, a pretty bold route of having it simultaneous translation, but in universe. And so it, they, they, they got the, the detail. If they had like, if it had gone a second too long or a second too short uh, in either direction, it would have it would have taken the viewer out. But it worked really well. And your brother James actually mentioned um, <clears throat> he did not know that Athorians talked out of the side of their heads. Oh, <laughs> until he's like, wait a minute. I finally I appreciate that they so much work into like showing the gills move because when he yeah. saw like the first authorian he ever saw Naboo or sorry uh, Tatooine Cantina and he's never really showed how his mm-hmm. how his mouth moved and so it's got the like the vocal translator inside of his mouth almost or like attached mm-hmm. like a speaker and so he's like oh that makes so much sense mm-hmm. uh, you guys know James on the podcast. I was like, well, you lose points, you know, five points from James Adore. But <laughs> at the same time, I, he's like, I appreciate that they, that they did that because it makes sense. And a lot of people, a lot of non-Star Wars, you know, addicts like us will not have ever realized, oh, they don't just like have sound coming out of the non-facial mouth place that in the, like the front. There's nothing there. So um, anyway, uh, but that scene it was so great. Uh, is there anything that Sean thought about that scene? Maybe you wanted to add. We get the mention of that name, Order of the Night Wind. Is that something that rings a bell to either of y'all, or is that new Star Wars? It's new. It's it's I completely original. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've heard it before, but you saying that about the uh, voice coming out of the gills on the side, mm-hmm. the only way I knew was, I believe there was a scene in 2D Clone yes! Wars. Yes, that's yes! what I was thinking, too. Same here. Yep, that was how Where I knew. he, like, like, yells. Yeah. yeah. The Thorians. Oh, Warthrow. win by screaming powerful. at them. Yeah. Would we ever see that in live action? Or is that a force ability? I mean, it's a force ability, but they could show it. I mean, I mean, I think it's exaggerated in, in 2D's Clone Wars, to be sure, as a lot of things were. A lot of things are. But, I mean, it's possible we could see something comparable. Well, what, here's the question, though. So, the Order of the Nightwind, he says they're not allowed to operate outside hut space, which Tatooine was formerly hut space, and now it's outside hut space because it's Boba's territory. So it's not in hut space anymore, and they're not allowed to operate. So he collects him, he kills him, <laughs> kills him, and it's like, oh, bounty hunter, you're the bounty hunter now. I'll just pay you for him, sure. Uh, which is obviously meant as a definitely as an insult. Yeah, you know, you're getting paid <laughs> by somebody, and like, hey, insult, insult pay. Uh, but talk about that for a second. So I should throw it to Sean again first. Um, how do you think that has, that was handled? And then what what's the deal with the you know allowed to operate outside? outside hut space thing uh regarding that i think the technicality of them being able to still work around that is that the deed the the basic basically a space deed still says hut (laughs) he's like i'm only by a little while (laughs) there's my land now (laughs) jokes on you not legally (laughs) that's basically what we got out of this involvement with the two huts and mm. I, I think that is where the complication for that order is going to be they're going off of that rather than who is the crime lord of the jurisdiction basically mm-hmm. mm. so they can still do business for now until it they gives die me the, the, I, I really have the feeling like the mayor is not the big bad guy. No, he no. is. He is definitely like maybe on their side somewhere along the way. But there is some other family or name, be it Hut or someone else, who is a mob gangster, and that's, they're going to have a lot of resources to challenge uh, to challenge Boba. Um, oh, for but sure. I love that Boba Fett. I love that he stands up. He's like Bib Fortuna was not my. He wasn't my employer. You know, I, he he doesn't say he worked for Jabba. Um, but and then even then they like they pass over they pass over Fortuna like he was a nobody anyway, and um, anyway so I, I I agree I don't think the whole I I was just asking I assumed Jonathan was going to say probably hey the hut space little condition that was just thrown out there because he was just giving like a Luke hole an excuse to kill him <laughs> I think I think <laughs> that's I think that is I think that is the case. Exactly what I thought you would say. So, but, so d- don't mean to cover you up. Did you have something to add? Yeah, I was going to say that we're talking about the villains. I think that they're playing the villains in this series like they're playing the heroes from Mando season two. Um, you know, in each mm. episode or in a lot of the episodes, I think we're going to see different villains vie for power. But we're not going to see the villain until the final episode, if if that's the direction mm. they're going. And even if you think season one of Mando, we didn't see Moff Gideon until right, the, until the end, end of the yeah. seventh episode. 
which was out, out, out of seven out of eight. So in this mm-hmm. season, I don't anticipate seeing the big bad, big bad until the end of the sixth episode or sometime during the seventh. So the fact that they've already not only established the um, the mo- uh, I mean the the not the moth the um, the the mayor. And they've already established the huts makes me think these huts are not big time or at least they're serving someone else or he's going to deal with them pretty quickly. Yeah. His line, um, he says this, the mayor says he warns him that running a family is more complicated than bounty hunting. So that felt like a warning, but also a foreshadowing. We're going to see a lot Mm -hmm. more of this whole family stuff coming up. And that seems to be the area Boba has to learn the most about. Okay. They sent him over to the cantina, which we saw again. I loved the... Uh, I really liked both of the girls. James and I watched this together again. We thought the, the makeup and everything, the prosthetics were great. When I say I love the girls, Jonathan gave me one of those looks. Yes, they yeah. were great. <laughs> Noticed they were great. They were, they were pretty. They were pretty. Everything, okay, that's I'll all say, we have to we're say. We're not disagreeing. I'll say this. The, my favorite performance thus far in the series, other than obviously Tamar Morrison, who's like stolen the show. The, my favorite oh, performance yeah. is Jennifer Beals' character, specifically what she's do- doing with her eyes throughout the scene. And th- this scene, and a little bit in the first episode, but she nails it here, is the second he comes in, she has this like look in her eyes of... First, deer in the headlights, oh shoot, he's here. She also knows mm-hmm. that the twins are coming, and she's also thinking, okay, how do I not tick him off without supporting him outright? And so, like, she, like you see the gears turning in her head just through her mm-hmm. eyes, and that was a really good, subtle performance that I thought, I thought yeah. she did a good job with that. Oh, uh, yeah. the character's name is, is Garza. Yeah, Garza. Uh, yeah. So. So Garza's Sanctuary, not Cantina, Sanctuary. Um, so anyway, that is a, a great point about her. The look, the nervousness, all mm-hmm. of the kind of fidgeting, sweating. He, he vet calls her out. He's like, you know, he's, he's like, you're sweating like a goompta on Mustafa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> little <laughs> lava planet joke. Ha 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 ha. Sweaty ha, planet. Ha. <laughs> Got a little uh, tiki torch down by the lava bath, you know, <laughs> get my suntan on. That was the uh, the SNL skit with uh, Jimmy Fallon back in the day. Y'all remember that? Okay. No. Um, no so that's when we hear the bass drum, and I, I, I turn over to, to James, and I'm like, "That had better be like a 70 inch bass drum because this thing is <laughs> this thing is like echoing like it's got a subwoofer built into it." And then he comes around with like some kind of like 18 inch, 18 inch little doink. Oh, oh. Here's, here's, the here's an in-universe defense. But the base was dropped. Go ahead. Here's an in-universe defense. This part of Mos Espo, which they showed... Which, okay, two things. First, they showed a wider angle of Mos Espo that shows the city sprawling beyond oh, just the crater. That. And it finally yes. worked because I was like, wait, this is not Mos Espo. This is not what it looks like in episode one. There is no crater in episode one, but we're only seeing... You know, in episode one, you're seeing before you get to the crater, you never go that deep into Mos Espa, which shows it must be really big. But James and I were like, where are the where are the stairs? Where are the yeah. elevators? <laughs> How do they get down? <laughs> so that's, that's my... You could fit a whole Sarlacc in there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so here's, here's the second thing I was going to say was because you have those enormous walls surrounding... Uh, the, the that part of the city since they're in the crater, I could theoretically see that the reverb 
on those walls might be amplifying the sound so that it's more powerful than a normal drum would be. So that could be why they hear it so easily. That's not, I don't think that's, I don't think that's what they meant, but I think that's a way we can, we can spackle and and make it work. I I want to clarify for everybody out there that I am at least partially just jabbing at everybody about this. Oh yeah. And Jonathan's like, well, let me defend it. It's got to be the echo of the buildings in a crater and how that would do with the acoustics. In in Jonathan's defense, bro. Have you not had a Bluetooth speaker and just thrown your phone into a bowl for louder sound? Yes, down? yes, I've done that too. <laughs> there we go. It's not but delivery. It it's just trouble. The, yeah, it doesn't lower. Um, okay, Sean, you get to be the one. Um, talk about the anticipation and then seeing the two huts coming around the corner, the menagerie, everything about it. Talk about that. To be honest, I wasn't really expecting it because it i mean i'm trying to think of the last time we saw a live action hut episode one special editions but other than that we see them in phantom menace uh very briefly okay other than animation yeah yeah other than 3d like clone wars and stuff like that dude yeah so good yeah good i was sitting there like Oh boy, who's coming around the corner? Oh Lord, they thick. Oh Lord, they beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like all these emotions going on at once. And <laughs> um, I have to say, it was a pleasant surprise to actually see Huts on screen again. Seeing all the advancements in tech over the years, especially mm. like going back to Phantom Menace being the last new time we've seen them. I feel like mm-hmm. on a technicality. The last time we saw an updated version was whenever they decided to CGI Jabba into episode four. Oh my gosh. Uh, Which technically TPM came out after the initial one. But thank Mm -hmm. goodness the original 97 special edition scene technically doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Right, because that was the worst. At least the, Uh, the one that they updated is a little better, but... With the whole tail stomp thing with Han. Woo! Oh, it's so weird. It's Please yeah, let it's, Boba do that in an episode with the bad step and everything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. If they do. <laughs> like, can you imagine the fan reaction? It'll be such a meta thing. It'll be all over everywhere. Everywhere Reddit. Everywhere Star Wars. And I'll be the one posting it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you will. You will. If um, I don't die from laughter first. <laughs> I'll, I'll so, s- oh, I, w- I wanted to say, go ahead, Jonathan. I think that there was something really clever that they did, which was the way that they used two huts. Because if they had just had the brother, just just him, people would have felt, ah, that's too similar to just Jabba. His voice, his his character design, everything like that. Oh, too yeah. similar to Jabba. If they had just had a female hut, that would have been unique, but. We've also seen that a little bit in some Clone Wars episodes, but to have two together as twins, we haven't seen that at all. We haven't seen two huts who are like, you know, uh, uh, not a not a uh, triumvirate, but a, a diumvirate, I guess, you know, two mm-hmm. e- of equal power. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't seen that uh, before, either in Legends or canon either one that I know of. And so it, pro- mm. it it throws the audience a little bit off and it right. makes something 
old feel new, which is something this series has been doing. Taking the old Tatooine, Tuscans, sand, and making it feel new in some way. So I thought that was really clever. Those vibes. Such a great original trilogy vibe there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna admit to this, but one time, for some reason, I was obsessed with like looking at their tails and like, are they hugging each other? What's going on? I was like, wait, whose tail is whose? I'm never gonna talk about this again. But no homo. But like, I was looking at their tails. It was weird. It was weird. The concept uh, the art was voice. weirder. Oh yeah, that's true. But the voice of the female of the sister was perfect. Yeah, was. So good. If you're going to make a female <laughs> voice, that's what it would sound like. Uh, just like uh, the feminist TikTok. Okay, moving on. Uh, wow. <laughs> oh, wait, before we continue. Um, before we continue. Are you ready? Are you ready? We're going to talk about him. Oh, did you have something, Shan? Sean? Yeah, one little thing. Go ahead. After all these years, they finally out pizza the hut. Continue. <laughs> 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 we are, well, I was, that was, that was, I did I not know where you could be going with that. I, okay. All right. So, okay. talk about this moment. Yes. Um, we get the most bad-looking Wookiee you have ever seen. This guy, like, he, he, makes, he makes Chewie honestly look like a kitten. Um, <laughs> Black my man Cranston... Dude comes around with this armor on with like this scout and these yellow piercing dark side eyes. Yeah. Um, was there anything that didn't hit for him or did it, did it just perfectly work, Jonathan? I thought it was perfect. Oh, I thought it was perfect too. Uh, I, I should make a side note. I am so sorry. I am so sorry that I spoiled this for you um, ahead of time. I, I, I assumed you had seen the episode, so I... Well, I was waiting to watch with James. So yes, so I apologize for so that. We watched it. We I watched s- it Wednesday evening. But, uh, um, but I was super excited because I'll be honest, I didn't remember where I knew, but I knew I knew that Wookiee, and so I immediately went to go look, and I was right that it is from. And the audience won't be able to see this, but I will uh, show it up for uh, Nathan and for uh, Sean. The Darth Vader comic. Um, we see mm. uh, not just uh, uh, Black, I think uh, his nickname is uh, uh, Santi. Santi is his, his nickname, Black Santi. Mm. But we see him with mm-hmm. Boba Fett. They worked together on some missions. And he was in some of the in later... canon? In canon. This canon? is from the yeah, 20... 25- Marvel Star Wars comics are canon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, this is from the 2015 run by Karen Gillan. He was also in Karen Gillan's 2016 Doctor Afra comic. He was much more prominent there, which has a lot of people saying, "Oh, maybe we'll see Doctor Afra." And I'm like, ah, "I don't think that's what they're going for. I think they needed a bounty hunter, and they said, let's use Santi." But um, yes. uh, this it worked <clears throat> perfectly because, of course, San- uh, this character has worked with the Huts. Um, for a long time, he's someone that knows Boba Fett, so he could be an effective foil to Boba Fett. And some people online were complaining that they don't exchange anything, but they give each other a look, kind of a nod at the beginning and at the end, which is a kind of a, I know you and I'm going to kill you kind of nod. And I thought it worked just <laughs> fine because if they had said something, so many people would be like, wait, I don't know the reference. But by this Anyone who doesn't know this is uh, doesn't know who the character is. They're just like, oh, that's an awesome looking Wookiee. But 
to mm. everyone else that knows, we're like, ah, I, I see what you did there. So the way I saw it, too, is like two <laughs> alpha dogs just like they may be on the same side at some point, but you always know that the alpha dogs are looking beside each other and saying, oh, I'm better than this dog. And what, you know, and somebody might be in more favor with the boss than another, be it Jabba or whoever they worked for, even even Vader at this point, maybe. But clearly now they're like, we've worked before. We we could get along. We're professionals. But like we will go at each other if that's what the goal is. Now, Sean, he calls him a gladiator, and he actually makes this reference, instead of calling him Boba, uh, or calling him a, a bounty hunter, but a gladiator, and he makes this reference to, like, um, he says he's he's uh, he's not a sleeping Trandoshan guard. Like, there's some kind of history between them. Uh, so I'm really expecting, based on that little taunt that we got, oh, they're fighting. Boba will oh, fight. yeah. This mm-hmm. Wookiee before this book is over, how do you how do you see that fight going down, Sean? Um, well, spoiler: Boba will probably win. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but uh, the book of Wookiee fit. <laughs> the book of the book the book of Chewbacca. <laughs> Chewbacca! Oh my gosh! Oh, That's but no, awesome. yeah. <laughs> I really could see. Like, they're going to be at each other's throats for a good chunk of the show. Mm. But then, you know, I, it's going to... I just see it happening. The power of friendship's going to triumph overall. And Jonathan's point with the Darth Vader comic, it's like they've worked in, together in the past. And I have a feeling that's going to find its way into the show to kind of explain to people who haven't <clears throat> read the comic. Hmm. And it may not be as... Well, of course, it's not going to be as thorough as the comic itself. Oh, yeah. But I could see them kind of working their way to becoming allies towards the end. Maybe. Because the nod did have a slight monochrome of respect. Well, tell us all, remind the people out there, what one item, what trophy item did Boba Fett always carry on his armor? Prior to the transformation, Wookiee braids. Yes, Wookiee braids. Presumably that he had scalped himself. Yeah, I think it was um, three of them. So it's possible that he gets a black one to add to his armor by the end of uh, this this series. Or that he teams up. Could happen either way. But a dude that looks that intimidating, oh, I want to see him fight, mm-hmm. and I want to see it be a close fight, a great fight, but for obviously Boba to win uh, at the end of that. I think Um, that uh, what I think is most likely is we will see the fight, but this series, as I mentioned in the last episode, has a lot of similarities to the concepts or precepts of the 48 Laws of Power and to Machiavelli. And one concept that would be totally Machiavellian is if Boba basically outbid the Huts and said, hey, uh, uh, Santi, they're offering you uh, this much. I'll double it if you kill them. And Santi goes and literally goes all mercenary. Um, uh, that would be a good way of Maybe. him utilizing. But remember, Boba Fett did not do that when he was offered more money in Mando. You know? Yeah. I'm over here real disappointed you didn't make the joke. Oh, what joke? Go ahead and make the joke. About Boba out pizzaing the huts. <laughs> That's how it's going to go, bro. 
as Pizza the Hut today ate himself to death. <laughs> Please give a Star Wars Pizza Hut. Just it's got to happen. Pizza Hut needs to be like a, a Disney a sponsor. Plus sponsor. Yes. Just, just for. I mean, we got a space this. diner. Come on, like just earthly, but not earthly. You could do I it. I mean, guys. come on. You earn. You own all of Marvel. Just buy Pizza Hut and just just do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have them in the theme park. Okay. We bought Disney now, or we bought Star Wars. Now we'll buy Pizza Hut just because because <laughs> that one joke they can make. Just we we <laughs> want to be able to make that joke. Spaceballs I mean, can't the logo is like forever. two steps away from looking like a hut. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we're we're so off we're topic. On. The main point at the end of this conversation is the huts kind of say, "Well, we'll deal with you later." Um, and they withdraw, but it's then Finnick who kind of turns towards him and is like, hey, we'll have to get permission yeah. if we want to kill those guys. Mm-hmm. So that's a little foreshadowing. Who, who are they going to get permission from? Do you know, Jonathan? I don't know. So I have two answers. One is the likely answer. The other one is my pie in the sky answer. The likely answer is the Hut clan. And I think that we'll mm. see Boba... Uh, communicating with the entire Hut clan, and at some point the Hut clan will say, "All right, you guys duke it out. Whoever wins, we'll let you. We'll let you join." And he'll be like the first non-Hut to be part of the Hut clan or something. That's my likely answer. I think that that's that's more possible. The second answer, which is the one that everyone is saying online, and I don't necessarily believe, but I want it to happen, is that it's Kira is going to be the the big bad that he that's that's in charge that he has to uh, get permission mm. from. I would l- much prefer from Crimson Dawn. From Crimson Dawn. I would much <clears throat> prefer that and we got the pikes in this episode and the pikes We did. We're going to talk a, about them. Yeah. So that that is possible <clears throat> and they're laying the groundwork that it could happen, but I am really nervous cuz I watched a ton of YouTube channels and I'm really afraid they're going to Mephisto uh, uh, Kira for this series and everyone's going to be let down. So that's why I'm saying this is a pie in the sky okay. theory. Real quick, Sean, which would you prefer between those two? Uh, honestly, Crimson Dawn. Okay. I'm going to disagree and say I would prefer like a room full of, of huts on because mm. that would get we get to see now Huda and then we could have like, you know, Boba busting in there with like a salt gun and all the all the slugs, you know, you know, just <laughs> spread wow. the salt. Wow, yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. Okay, that was a joke, snail joke. Okay, um, but we didn't for, get for it. Real, we though, were slow I, like I, snails. Uh, it, it wasn't that funny. I apologize. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> anyway, they're gonna have to get somebody to say, yeah, it's okay to kill them or. Well, we'll tell them that you, you know, you've earned the right. It's probably going to be a matter of, I honestly don't know that they'll actually kill those huts. It'll probably be like, well, you've gained enough political rivals and enough, you've collaborated with enough people, made enough um, just, you know, allies that we're not going to challenge your claim. You know, you can have it. So that's the most likely scenario. And Boba's probably going to do that because obviously we've seen that whole like, they're sitting down at the, you know, the Last Supper, and he's trying to get his allies. You know, he's trying to, why speak of conflict when we could be rich if we're together? He's making his allies against the Huts. That's probably next episode that we'll expect to see that, that scene. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's all we got of the present day story. Which very, very short. Everybody loves that stuff. And I like loved it, too. It. it was 
was great, but it was also this whole this felt like a whole another episode because the next scene it was so it was a long episode, but this whole stuff with the flashback was great and it almost felt like a whole another story going on at the same time. Um, so, is there anything else, Sean, before we move on that you wanted to add to that? He's going to come to the realization of who he asked to ask. Who's that? I've heard there's a new daimyo in town. Let's ask him. Who? Himself. (laughs) Himself. Oh, my gosh. In the back to take, he's just like, bro, can I kill him? Please, let me kill him. (laughs) Oh, all right. (laughs) What if he does? What if he does, you know? <laughs> he just comes to the realization that the only person he has to ask is himself. I would... Yes. There would be another situation where I would just die laughing. <clears throat> it's like it took us seven episodes Finnick, to come Finnick, to this realization. Yeah. <laughs> Finnick says that to him, or she says, wait, wait, do I have permission? Yeah. <laughs> <And he's> like, <laughs> okay. That, so, that's, um, way, that is that one of the droid. best memes to come out of the first episode is the person knocking on the window holding up the, the sign, and it's Fennec saying, can I kill them now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we got... He goes back to the back to tank. Flashback. Tuscan Raiders. Bantha plowing in the desert. Don't know what he's plowing for. All right? He's practicing his, tus- or his gaffy stick stuff. They're doing dancing. Later on, they'll do more dancing. Boba had, has weird amounts of smiles as he's learning how to use <laughs> gaffy stick. Um, you know, they, they, they you know, do some mild sparring, um, showing him how to hold it right, how to do stabs and swings and all the cool stuff. Um, <clears throat> okay. After that, we see uh, all of a sudden there's like this hover train thing yeah. out in the middle of the desert. And everybody's starting freaking out to grab their rifles and this thing starts shooting at them. You're like, what in the world? Why are you shooting at us? At first, James and I were sitting there watching it. We're like, dude, is that another crate dragon? Is that a, that's a crate dragon. No, it's the same sound. So small. It was, it was almost like uh, crawling through the sand. It looked like from Mm -hmm. a distance, but it was in fact hovering. So we got this cool hover train, which we, we've been arguing about this. I think it's two, at the top of it was two different pod racer engines fused front to back together because it was too long for just one. But it looked like it was definitely a pod, pod racer engine on the top of that train. Uh, I, just I thought it was two. James is like, it well, looks I don't know. like one kind of. <clears throat> He's like, well, it could have been Ben Quadraneros's. I'm like, dude. <laughs> ben Quadraneros's looked nothing like that. Plus, he had four. Plus, That's they just blew one. up. They blew <laughs> up. You right. <laughs> Plus they <laughs> they did. He went out in a blaze of yeah. glory. Okay, yeah, yeah. Two meters wide. What do you mean it just blew up? What the heck's an aluminum falcon? Yeah. <laughs> that thing wasn't even paid off yet. Yeah. Um, okay, let's. <laughs> I know the the rubber checking's great. Um, so anyway, later that night, you know, we get this scene where. Uh, Fed is carrying a dead Tuscan as they like burning the bodies and whatnot. Mm. And I was like, well, that's kind of touching. He's really kind of, he's, he's immediately shown from that. Okay. They trust him. Yeah. And he's being sympathetic. Um, <clears throat> he's troubled by their, obviously their losses. Um, they drink from the back melon and then he's like, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do this. I'll be back by the morning. All right. That's when we get this awesome scene. Yeah. And we go to, where do we go? Tell me where we go, Sean. Where do we go? 
Two to ball. Not to pick up, not to pick up power converters though. We go into Tashi, Tashi Station. Station. Mm-hmm. Tashi oh, Station. Yeah. Which, by the so way, Luke's not there. Did you did you notice that the that the shot like this is they recreated the set from the New Hope deleted scene of Tashi Station. Mm-hmm. It looks just mm-hmm. it, down to the details of the little arcade game that the the guys are playing in the episode and the the two human characters sitting at the table are the same characters that you see from A New Hope. It's just new actors because it's 40 years later. But they look the exact same. And I was like, that's impressive. Like, that's impressive. That's a deep cut. There was a shot of this, like, early on that got released, and we had been analyzing this, and all of the people had figured out, they're like, in this deleted scene from A New Hope, that that same doorway with that same light fixture in that same place is in Tashi Station, and this deleted, you know, and it's gotta be that he's, that Boba Fett is there at that station, and they're gonna remake the scene and bring this in from the deleted set. I was like, maybe. Oh, they totally did it. They nailed (laughs) it, too. So it was great to see. It sounds like a very Favreau and Filoni thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Let's be real. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, okay, what were the name of these aliens that they fight? Do you know what type of what race was that? The Nikto. Okay, I'd seen them. I'm not familiar with. Them. I'd never learned that name. They, Nikto. Uh, uh, but they're the ones who have been stealing the water that we saw a glimpse of. They were kind of like they were, they were even graffitiing that like house or moisture farm or whatever in the previous episode yeah Yeah. those some background they're 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 very uh commonly known with bounty hunters uh there are two famous canon uh nikto one of them is uh, a character named rin rivendai who plays a major role in some of the novels another one is Remember uh, on Ryloth in season three of the Clone Wars when uh, they're, you know, oh, my goodness, we're losing troops. We have barely any left. So the clones and this one Jedi basically fight off an entire army and they all the clones and the Jedi die against this um, army of uh of droids and and yet Chomsundula and all the, the the Ryloth people escape. Well, that was a, a Jedi uh, Nikto, and all the Nikto, their last name or hmm. their, their 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 final name is Di, uh, D I, and his name was very clever. It was I'm a gun die, so so it was. We were Bro, all like, wow, wow, that was cheesy. So that's that's the background on the uh, like, the Nikto. Well, I thought for a second they reminded me of I'd seen him in Clone Wars, and I thought that I had seen one in the crew of of maybe um, uh, Weequay. What's his face? Uh, uh, help me oh, out. Oh, oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Hondo. 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 I thought that I, I was going to say one Tigger's crew, but I could. Oh no. Space Tigger. Tigger. What? I said Space he's... Tigger. Yes. Yeah. 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 Voiced <laughs> by um, <clears throat> Jim Cummings. Jim Cummings. Things. Jim Cummings, the the goat, yeah. the goat. Um, so awesome fight scene. Uh, what what is what about this stuck out to you? I know the moment that did for me, but but Sean, that whole fight scene with them. He comes in with just a gaffy stick and not even a good one, and a <laughs> rifle. It was baby's Talk first gaffy that. stick. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> baby's first. <laughs> okay, it's just a little twig from the tree. <laughs> it's his Red Rider uh, BB gaffy stick. You'll mm. stab your eye out, kid. 
No, but uh, <laughs> one thing that really stood out to me, and it's something that they've done a really good job with on the TV Star Wars shows, just the general choreography and the flow of the combat. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's been so smooth, but also one thing I don't get is why they don't understand the concept of having more than two people attack at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm going to wait until you're done getting your, your, no, your no, butt no, kicked. I'm, by all means, I'm curious. <laughs> wait, I don't know. he doesn't have his Mandalorian armor, so he could use blasters? Oh no, where are our blasters? <laughs> oh no, he has plot Only armor Only one now. of us had a blaster. Oh no. We can only shoot him when he has blaster protection. Okay. Yes. Uh, They're honorable. Honor I love piece. that he swapped between using his Anglian language and then understanding basic. I love the way that he that they intimidated. I loved and I, me and James made the comment like he's got this like biker jacket on. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like this leather vest with like, you know, like a patch on the back. It's like space bud light. Um, I will say yeah, the Orabesh on his on on the main Nikto's uh, thing <clears throat> translated to the name Emmett, which is one of many references to Back to the Future in this episode. Um, which, oh. by the way, the guy, the cinema, the, the director of photography for this episode was the director of photography for all three of the Back to the Future episodes, or movies, including the third one, where they have the big train sequence. I never would have made that connection. Wow. Well, everybody loves a train fight, and we are about to get one. But first, we get a hilarious scene. First, when he brings back the speeders, that they're all like, okay, let's Jawa these things. (laughs) Let's take them apart. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And even Boba's just like, no, 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 no. These are mine. These are mine. And he had just finished saying, these are a gift. No, wait, wait, these are mine. (laughs) I will teach you. Uh, And then the hilarious thing as he's, you know, he's doing this whole motion, like forward, backwards. And and we look at each other and we're like, oh, he's totally about to crash this thing. And the first (laughs) thing he does is like throw it into reverse at full speed. Uh, So hilarious humor. I love that. It was way better than seeing an Ewok learn how to ride a uh, speeder bike to me. Oh, he didn't even learn. He just straight went at it. (laughs) Dude, that, yeah, the the Ewok was just, he was super intuitive. You know, he was just all of a sudden. And he was flipping stuff he knew what to do. The Tuscans are like, arr, arr, arr. okay. So uh, he does teach him how to ride pretty quickly, but that whole scene was hilarious. They do have a, this little training montage. You got to learn how to jump from one bike to the other because yeah. that's a really, really important skill. Um, and uh, so, but I, it was, it was the funny, the funny part for me, uh, Sean was just seeing like, you know, it, what I would consider like, grandma speed like you're just driving around in a parking lot like the walmart parking lot when you're learning like if you have like a speeder and you're just just like 20 you know 15 miles an hour just barely through the neighborhood never pressing the gas like oh man it just gave me vibes so it's how we got our driver's permits we just drive in parking lots there's just a desert it's fine it's fine (laughs) anything for that Anything I failed to mention for that scene there, Jonathan? I was going to say, I think that this plays into the idea that there's a long passage of time. I think this is more than just a couple of months. I think that there's a long passage of time, and this montage is meant to show the Tuscans getting better. And the Tuscans would not be able to go 0 to 60 
in like a few days or anything. Like it would take some time for them to master the jump, for them to master uh, the right speeds, uh, to master all of the things they have to get right for the train sequence. So I think that this shows at minimum like he's been with them, I think, for like a year ish by this point. I'm thinking I'm thinking uh, uh, maybe a couple of days, maybe, maybe mm. a yeah. month at most I mean, for me. Obviously, I mean, didn't John learn how to ride the uh, um, walking piranhas, you know, in a day? Uh, what was the I think that name? was a, uh, yeah, the um, I know who you're talking about. I'm banking on them. The is it bad that I can't remember? I know I should he, know this. I remember that that he says your ancestors rode the, rode the great mythosaur and you can't ride this young foal. Yeah. Surely you can tame this young yes. foal. Um, well, yeah. Can't remember the name of the creature, but somebody out there, tell us. Tell I just called him Gibble. <laughs> <laughs> I understood that reference. It is a Gibble. That is perfect. Yes. That is exactly what it is. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Jonathan does not understand. No, isn't it? I, I know there's a uh, Gimble in... Um, Oh, I played I played a game where they made a reference to the gimbal. I know I know what it looks like. I don't it, know what it's, it's from. It's a Pokemon. Pokemon. Thank you. I know the it's I know the, the image. Oh, okay. uh, they're called Blurgs. Blurgs. Thank you. Blurg. Yes. Thank you. The Blurg. It sounds like a like a like a virus. Uh, the so, evil Emperor Blurg. Yes, the Emperor's Emperor <laughs> Blurg. Um, Okay, love the hover train scene, or uh, the hover train sequence. I love the way that they approached. I loved um, the whole like jumping, fighting on yeah. a, on a motion, and even the stupid droid that was driving it. <laughs> it was well done. Everything yeah. about this chain was great. Was great. So, uh, and two, this was the chance where we got to see more of that um, the female sto- uh, Tuscan, mm-hmm. the, the dreadlocks, black. Black uh, suit Tuscan, yeah. whatever. Uh, so you guys talk about that scene for a second. Um, well, I'll go first and say uh, I just the moment where uh, you like we see her just first. She just like goes straight at it like this is like a she only has one shot to get this right. Mm. And she nails it perfectly to, to jump in. And then she just goes mm. wreck and shop inside. Um, they actually use the, the sound effect, uh, one of the Indiana Jones sound effect when she jumps in and then immediately throws <laughs> the guy out and immediately uh, throws the guy. out. Yeah, I thought so it sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah that's totally bum, Indiana bum, Jones. Bum. Yeah. And then uh, what the moment that the hood flips and she looks out and then she realizes, oh, wait, there's two more guys I didn't get. And then she just goes back down, goes after him. like there's something in the way the head tilt. And it was just hilarious. I mean, it was the way it was shot. Hey, but I cracked Sean, up. did you realize that this was a female Tuscan? Yeah. OK. I only halfway through the real episode turned to James. I was like, wait, that looks like a female Tuscan, not a male. And he's like, "Oh yeah, you kind of you're right, you're right." Uh, so Jane, obviously same pot as me, but Jonathan, did you realize it before yeah, now? I, I didn't know it from just watching the episode. I knew it from all the breakdowns because people were talking about the actress. Okay, that'll give it away. Yeah. <clears throat> James suggested we would see some little half Tuscan Boba Fett babies coming around <laughs> at the end of this, but um, uh, would not be surprised <laughs> at the end of it all. It's like, oh, they went there. <laughs> Well, you never know. And you never know. It's like a little, like Tamara Morrison, superimposed with a Tuscan mouth. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's Have it's fun Tuscan, sleeping tonight, guys. Tuscan in every way, but it's got a it's got a <laughs> shaped visor. <laughs> there you go, Tuscan T-shaped visor. Yeah, yeah. I I will say one other thing. Going back to the the, the train sequence, one thing that I didn't notice, but I thought someone else pointed <clears> out that was a really cool symbolism detail is that. You know, Boba Fett and the Tuscans represent the native Tatooine-ness. And these, this train represents the, the, the foreign, it represents the, uh, uh, those who are usurping, usurping the land for their own <clears throat> purposes. And so how does he defeat this train? He defeats this new technology using a Tatooine-based technology of his baby gaffy stick. And that's how he's able to stop the train is using the baby Gaffy stick. And so he mm. still uses Tuscan ingenuity to save the day. It's not like he, oh, I'm the only one who can save the train because I know how technology operates and these Tuscans don't. No, it's not that. He uses their methods in order to stop the train, which I just thought was very, very good symbolism. Hmm. I think that... Um Based off of what we saw in um, episode four, episode, episode one again, Tuscans usually shoot first. And so it's reasonable when they defend, you know, they say, you know, well, we know there's raiders and we shot first. Yes, we did shoot first from the train. But, you know, basically they're, they would have shot us too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's a reasonable defense. Um, but definitely the Tuscans weren't the aggressors here, um, but they may have been in the past. Uh, so... It was really interesting. The most interesting was how did Boba Fett respond to them? You've got about 10 of these guys, the pikes that survived. Cool to see their masks off. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of them with their masks on in in Clone Wars, but not so much with the masks off. I don't know if we saw with the mask off or not. We do, but they're wearing the head coverings without the mask. And so they look very different because your your eyes are more attached to what they're wearing as opposed to what their face actually looks like. Hmm. Either way, I thought the design of them was great, and it was really interesting because um, obviously they speak basic. They can tell Fett's in charge, and even the like, even the, at this point, like the the Tuscans have accepted. Oh yeah, Fett's in charge. Uh, <laughs> he's like, he's just sitting there drinking from a you know a black uh, what do they call it a black, black melon? melon. And, yeah, it's uh, just a black melon. He's gonna black melon. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Hey, uh, that's okay. Foreshadowing. Of food? No. The uh, <laughs> the scene there, I didn't know what Fett was going to say. Did, I mean, did you guys expect him to let him go? Sean, did you think he was just going to be, you know, as nice as he did, or even the way that he talked about you'll pay a toll to come through there? Were you expecting something different? I was expecting at least one or two of them to die. Not going to mm-hmm. lie to you. Mm-hmm. But I'm not surprised that he let them go the way he did. I think that this is... Compare, sh- oh, sorry. compare that to what you think... Um, Jonathan, compare that to what you think that uh, Omega would have done. Oh, well, I mean, I think that they that a similar similar decision. They both, I think, would have would have let them go. I think that we're seeing Boba Fett is he's not being compassionate, even though he says as a gesture of our civility, he's not being compassionate. He's being smart in that if I just kill these guys, <clears throat> we get the water. But if I keep these guys alive and put the fear of God in them, then I will get something out of them. And so he uses them in an effective way, which is essentially what he's doing in right. the p- 
prime timeline in, in, the, in the main part, right. which I think is good because it shows that the, the lessons that he's learning from the flashbacks have a direct impact on what he's doing in the main timeline. It's not just, oh, we're filling in backstory. Yes, we are, but the backstory is influencing the front story, which I think is really good storytelling. What does Spice look like? Oh, it looks like that. This is not looking good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Great writing of the dialogue, too. Um, all right, I'm ready to tell you what my theory is before we go on to the next part, okay? So we are not done talking about There's more part of the episode, but this is, this is the part where I felt like, okay, I've, I've figured it out now. I know what they're doing. Why are we spending so much time on the flashbacks? Well, here's why. <clears throat> Boba Fett versus whoever the big boss, who the mafia is going to be. Obviously, they're going to be outnumbering him. He's going to be making some allies, but he will, at the end, have all of a sudden on the horizon, at Boba Fett's last moment, and all of a sudden you hear, thousands of of Tuscans and maybe even some pikes, um, but all of a sudden they're going to come and, you know, he's going to pull out his gaffy stick and Boba Fett's going to, you know, charge and it's going to be like, an, a, you know, in-game portals, whatever. And the Tuscans will be what actually saves the day yep. at the end. That's my prediction. I, I think I think obviously you're totally Jonathan's right. nodding. Yeah. You know, would you be satisfied if that happened, John? Or would you be like, nah, <laughs> yeah. he didn't need him? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's what everybody may be thinking. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems kind of on the nose, but... If that if they're gonna spend all this time in the obviously the flashback which they have um, developing those relationships it makes sense they're gonna pay him off so exactly maybe we'll see some more allies that he makes maybe he'll go somewhere else in the time that he has left and he'll make more friends um, that will come to his aid if you think about it Favreau and Filoni have uh, uh, have established that they like to use payoffs in this sort of way in Mandalorian season mm-hmm. two Mando spends this time. He builds a relationship with Bo-Katan. He builds a relationship mm-hmm. in season one with um, uh, with Gina Carano's character. I'm blanking on her name. Cara Dune. Cara Dune, thank you. She, he, mm-hmm. uh, he builds relationship with Boba Fett. And then he culminates together and they work together towards the common goal. This would just be a very similar but good writing uh, s- skill is, okay, We've we've been forming these friendships. Now we have the Gamorrean guards. We have maybe uh, uh, Garza uh, uh, mm-hmm. and her, yes. her her band. And now he's gonna have the Tuscans. And now you see him having friends mm-hmm. and having respect is going to have people fight for him who want to fight for him, not just those mm-hmm. who have to. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, uh, Santi and the and serving the huts, and that's how they're going mm-hmm. to win, and it's going to prove that respect is better than fear as a leader. Well, this is every anime, Jonathan. Like, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, like you're not okay. Wrong. Oda Oda for years has done nothing but show the entire One Piece crew. Luffy goes, he saves a bunch of people. The entire people, you know, villages or sometimes thousands of people. They go from like, who are you to, oh, he's bad guy. Oh, to, oh, we were lied. Oh, you're a good guy. Oh, we're your allies. Oh, we're going to join your crew. Well, we can't join your crew, so we'll come whenever you need us. That's the whole story. And eventually he's going to have half of the planet on his side. 
and you know Luffy's just going to be the new king. So <laughs> that's kind of the same. That's if you, Sean, you've you've watched some One Piece, right? Sean, I have Don't say no. the attention so. span of a goldfish. I okay, can't well, sit through that many episodes. Thousand episodes. So, well, my hero act then. Obviously, all the friendships of the class A. You know, they're building that. Jonathan just got yeah. finally. He's so excited. He just got the uh, the the hard. Hard in person because I read it on the internet. He reads the uh, he reads the paper vol- the volume print. of the manga. He yeah. just got he just got it to start. I'm proud been, of you. Been wait, waiting for no, months, like almost six months for this thing. Has it been on wow like back backward? Yes, because the publisher went out of print and they were like like they the demand was so high that they were just so backed up. Oh man, because I would always see them in books a million, but. Uh, that surprises me that they would be that out. Yeah. Oh, do you think that there's any any relevance? Back at the train scene, um, he asked them if they had gotten the spice, and then he actually goes into detail about Kessel, about the refining mm. a little bit, and it was just like straight out of solo stuff. Yeah. Do you think that's because we're getting a little? Was that foreshadowing to you, Jonathan? I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> think. I, see, that's the thing is, I would love it. That would be awesome if that's where they're going. But I don't want to get my hopes up and believe it, so I'm going to say, ah, this is just them being, ah, this is continuity. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So then we get to the lizard yeah. and the drug sequence. <laughs> uh, I did not expect the lizard to uh, crawl inside of his head. It reminded me a lot of the whole uh, in the Matrix when the, like, <laughs> this, that, like, bug thing crawls inside of him in in neo in the first matrix you've guys seen that inside of his belly and they have to like suck it out and like it was super disturbing uh but uh bubba gets this huge like uh spice high basically from having the lizard they say it's gonna guide him and we see this massive tree with like red Mm. eyes in it uh red eyes black dragon sorry and uh, (laughs) red eyes black tree (laughs) red eyes black tree uh it was super like Forcey, it felt like a force vision. Do you think yeah. there's something to the tree connected to the force? There's some kind of mystical element, Jonathan. I, that the Tuscans have maybe a like a history there. Well, I'll say this: uh, it's this is way too complicated for me to regurgitate now. But uh, New Rock Stars did a video uh, breaking <laughs> down this episode, and they go I'm into Eric Fox, and welcome back. To yes, okay. yes, yes, they go. He goes. Dude, in, got ten million views on his Spider-Man No Way Home breakdown. Yeah. 10 million views. How, what? How did he do that? That's crazy. So, but big, he's a great, great guy. He's a great guy. You, I recommend New Rocks. Yes. I really um, they, he basically goes into how the mythology of the Tusken Raiders appears to follow the mythology of the Force, just in a, told in a different way. We know that the Force binds all living things, so... The, the Tuscans may not realize that they're utilizing the Force or that they're celebrating the Force in this way, but they still could be nonetheless. And so when you said it's a Force vision, I was like, That's, that, that totally makes sense. Mm. <clears throat> I don't know. It, it felt like that. It was certainly painted that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he brings this back. Uh, he's got his own big stick. You know, got the got the Reagan diplomacy right there for us. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, or no, was that was that who was that? It was Kennedy, wasn't it? Big stick, big stick diplomacy. Tell me, 
Big stick. Oh, come on. Uh, no, that was um, uh, uh, Roosevelt. Speak softly hey. and carry a big stick. Yeah, that, that's, that's Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Teddy. Yeah. Okay, that was Teddy. Which, by the way, we I got was... that line in Star Wars by Hondo in Clone Wars. He says, here's, uh, speak softly and drive a big tank. <laughs> oh, okay. man. That's great. I apologize for missing the Teddy thing. I, I said Reagan. Well, that was a shame. That would, that would, that, it, it, it makes sense. It's better than, like, you're, Nixon you're or something. You're the history, you're you're the history closer. guy. Oh, yeah, well. <clears throat> then I was like, Kennedy. Ah, oh, that's fail. So, uh, man, this whole scene, no talking, just the, like, the embracing it felt to me very Star Wars-y. It gave me so many good vibes because mm-hmm. even though, like, you look at the Ewoks, that was the same type of thing. Joining the tribe, accepting their ways, showing us this people, showing us their humanity and their things that relate to us. It doesn't have to be some kind of symbol, even though there may be some symbolism to it, but it was really well done. I, I would have been weirded out about the whole them clothing him if it weren't for the fact that they literally are wearing cloths all the time so they <laughs> probably know how to wrap them really good and so <laughs> they're like oh we, we're good at wrapping clothes we, this is the one thing we do here we know how to do this um, so they, they wrap him up he comes out of there in his cool little black you know the same outfit right that we see him yeah. in, in, in Mandalorian mm-hmm. awesome and he's got his he's got his friends there. He's got his brand new gaffy stick. Looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I I cannot wait, Sean, to see how many Boba Fett's at the next uh, like Mandalorian Burke or whatever get together. How many of the Boba Fett's are now going to have this gaffy stick as a part of their cosplay? They're going to be too busy updating the CRLs for that. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> they're watching the robe assembly. I'm just like, oh, they just complicated the CRLs so bad. All of this, the script on the the red the red lights the script that kept flashing is that what you're talking about or, because um, I, I saw that that was on there too it was different. Yeah, I was gonna say more so with the materials of the robes. Oh yeah 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 because like the whole time you can tell that there are several different fabrics involved in the assembly, mm. and I'm just sitting there. It's like uh, I feel so bad for the Mercs in five hundred first right now. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys in six months with the CRLs. Well, which, now just, which one just of to, them is gonna do that? Go ahead. I was gonna talk. say you'll just have to be a, a normal cosplayer, like because like it, the, the rules are gonna be too difficult. Short term, like long term, people will be able to do this. But like, if you want to like go to celebration in a few months, you'll have to do something more slapdash. Hmm. Oh, I mean, well. the people who aren't t- like the people who aren't writing the CRLs are probably going to be able to do it in like two weeks. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Because mm. if, you're, if you're familiar with the fabrics and what they might have used, in other words, mm. more than likely used, and I had to go through and look at it myself, you can probably <clears throat> figure it out pretty quick. It's mostly just going back and looking at the layers and all that. Mm-hmm. But it definitely complicated the underrobe. Oh, Yeah. I love will the way he, it looks. Will he stay? Will he have that as a like additional underneath his garments under the armor later on? Maybe I don't know. I think the main things that stayed were just like the main assembly. So like the Emma belt and the arm <clears throat> sashes. Yes, yes. Probably he kept his ammo apply. belt, even though no other Tuscan has an ammo belt, <laughs> but Popa does. Um, oh, uh, 
Sean, do you think he lost this new really awesome looking gaffy stick in Mando, or did he? Does he still have it? It's probably stored on Slave One. Okay. Okay. Seeing how he's so acquainted with trophies in the sort. Mm-hmm. But he may have gotten rid of a lot of the ones of his past mm. when he became his new self. So any trophies that were obtained post Sarlacc Pit, basically, mm-hmm. I think will hold more value to him. And it's almost like an heirloom at that point. Mm. So it's, it's something that a, he may just have as more like an ornamental thing. In some ways, we may look back at the Sarlacc Pit as... Um, has his conversion experience. Mm. Um, if it's like from a, yeah. like a born again type of thing yeah. where it's he not views, he views like himself as a reinvented version. He's going to go, he's like oh, bounty hunting for me just doesn't do anymore. I'm going to go for what I really want. And he, right now he's figuring out what he really wants. But one of the things going into this series that I asked Jonathan that I wanted to know is what does Boba want? What is he after? And does he know? How does he find out? So maybe we'll see that next episode. Um, is there anything to talk about before we give this our final ranking? Yes. What else do we have? I would Go like ahead, to Jonathan. acknowledge a few things. First, this episode was directed by Steph Green, um, which this is her Star Wars debut. Um, uh, she yes. has previously done Watchmen and then a few episodes of some other shows I have not watched. I haven't watched Watchmen either, but mm. I just know that one. Um, uh, mm. So she's this is like a big thing for her, which I thought was very impressive. I thought she did a good job with it. Um, I also would like to say I think the music was much better in this episode. Um, I agree. Yes. I agree. I, even though I, I still liked it before, and I've been listening to. So I, I'm we're working insane hours, and so I just have a playlist going at work, and every couple of hours it loops back to the Book of Boba Fett theme. And so I've listened to it a lot, and I really dig it. I really like it. I'm really, I, it really works for me. Uh, I don't know. I think the the Mandalorian one is just so unique. It, it, it's better, but Book of Boba Fett's still it's rocky, really good. So yes, it's really hard to beat it. Yes, but I think I still <laughs> yeah. think it's Space really good. Rocky and yeah, Boba Fett's theme is not bad, but the music was overall much better. I totally agree. Well, well, let's go in this order. I'll go first, and then I'll throw it to Sean, and then, Jonathan, you can give the last word on your ranking, okay? Um, <clears throat> I rated the first episode, Sean, uh, between a 7 and a 7.5. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fair. That's as high as I could get it. Um, but this episode, to me, was much better. I really enjoy. I felt like it was very, like, OG Star Wars feels from top to bottom. I loved so much of the of the huts, even though it felt like a total different episode. Mm-hmm. I loved how Boba was in his dealings with everybody. Um, so, for me, uh, eight and a half for this episode. I really, really enjoyed it. Thought it was very solid. Uh, and on to you, sir. And you can go ahead and rank both if you'd like to, Sean. Okay. Um, I try to kind of veer off of the half points mostly because it just complicates my ratings. <laughs> Go ahead. Do whatever but system. I would say I'm actually not too far off from where you are. Uh, first episode, I'd, I would give a seven, realistically speaking. Uh, the second one, I'm going to stick with an eight, mostly because uh, it's something that I was going to bring up earlier, but just I didn't really well, bring think it up now. Too. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
it reminds me so much of chapter four in the Mandalorian sanctuary. Mm. Yes. Yeah. In terms of like the general plot points of the flashback, it lines up so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I think it was done more effectively here than it was in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And that's not mm. saying that the episode was bad in the Mandalorian. I still love it. But I think that they had a little more time to refine and polish what they were trying to do then for what we have now. And I feel like mm. it adds a lot more context in that the stuff in this episode is going to stick a lot more mm-hmm. than what happened back then in Mandalorian Chapter 4. Mm. So it had more purpose in the end. Mm. Now, well, I don't know if I'd have... For sure it will. Don't know if I would have tried to save 15% or more on car shirts to get a stick, <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> the stick do be looking cool at the end, though. <laughs> Give I get that. it. The the Geico joke. The Gecko. Yes. We get it. We get <laughs> Someone it. had it to make pretty, one at some point. It was, it was pretty clever. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> if that lizard but, had started talking inside of his head, oh my gosh. Oh, we'd all be done. We'd be like, all right. It's been a good two episodes. Oh, been a good two God. episodes. The Geico Gecko's <laughs> using the force now, and now I'm scared. <laughs> He's got the Bindu in his head. <laughs> small lizard. All right, Jonathan, give us uh, your ranking. What do you think? I gave the first episode somewhere between a six and a half and seven. Uh, after reflection, I think a seven is is where I'm going to stick with it. Uh, the second episode, I'm going to give it an eight. Solid eight. Um, I thought right. it was very good. I will say I wanted to make this joke earlier, which was uh, John Favreau in Solo played... Uh, uh, the character, uh, the, the alien, one of the alien characters, and uh, one of his lines is, "Ooh, is that a Wookie?" And so, that's actually what I thought when I saw Black Kersantan was, "Ooh, is that oh, a Wookie?" Wow. So <laughs> a Wookie, a Wookie. He's uh, he's the he's what? the pilot from the uh, from uh, the crew. Uh, uh, from Beckett's crew. Oh, remember? he's the voice of that pop- yeah. of that guy. Yeah. What? Yeah. The and forearm they, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I'm man. uh uh Ardinian. What's oh man? What's his name? Anyway, uh, he's he plays that guy, and he voices okay. that guy at least. And so uh, he he has that line about he he keeps talking about how great Wookies are, and so it's like yeah, that's just John Favreau talking about how great Wookies are. Oh, you know he was <laughs> straight up. Oh, um, I'm going to change my rating for originality to a 10 because Max Rebo came back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I'm going to take points off because there was no Salacian Crumb uh, on the the palette with the two huts. Uh, Salacious Crumb, where were you? Two points because lack of Salacious B. Crumb. We need need another Kawakian Monkey Lizard, so because there wasn't, I'm sorry, but 9 is 10 points, so 0 out of 10 for me, sorry. Okay. So we consistent with the lore. Uh, Sean, dude, you have been an uh, absolute joy to have on the podcast. I hope that you'll come back for another episode of Boba. We've got uh, at least four more episodes, right? Five so more. I think it's an eight episode series. It's seven, seven episodes total. Is it yeah. seven? Yep. Okay, the, so Star, the Star Wars Twitter account. Episodes. Yeah, yeah. So we, we have some other guys we're going to bring on, but um, if you'll agree to come back, we'd like to have you back for one more and bring your specialized knowledge of the good old Boba Fett and the T-shaped visors of which you so love. 
Uh, all hail the T-Visor. <laughs> <laughs> we cross our T's, guys. We, uh, <laughs> I thought they were capital T's. I thought they were, you know. We cross them aggressively at the top. What can I say? Well, go Vols then. Go Tennessee. This <laughs> <laughs> something like that. It's a different different shape to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Jonathan, let's uh, close us out. Remind everybody the different places they can find our podcast. And you can leave find us, us a five-star review. You can find us on Simplecast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. You can find my our Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine. You can find my YouTube channel, Jonathan Cohn, and our my uh, book reviews at Roku Depot. But until next time, I'm Jonathan. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. And I'm Sean. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs>